As we launch into this Christmas season, we'll be beginning this weekend a series of three different messages that will serve the purpose of preparing our hearts for Christmas. I don't know about you. I don't like when the holidays slip up on us. Did you ever, did you ever notice that? When you're so busy, you become busy with everyday life, and then you turn around, it's like, what? It's like Christmas is here already? Um, so this year especially, I sense this necessity of gearing our services in such a way and our teachings in such a way. Uh, even those of you that are on Facebook, you see that every day we have a scripture there for you to read, a portion of scripture from the Gospel of Luke. Like, I said this last night in the, in the Saturday night service. So it seems like about, about eight years ago, I started getting this sense of urgency or sense of importance that we need to be very intentional about getting ready for, for these particular holidays, especially Christmas. Okay, Easter, Easter doesn't have as much secularism and as much materialism associated with it as Christmas does. And especially this year, I feel like we need to really, like I said, be intentional. And I hope that you're doing that. Because, you know, the average individual across the board Many of you come to church every Sunday, but average individuals are in church maybe once every three weeks now. Years ago, it was a big difference. Years ago, for the most part, if you were part of a church, you went to that church every week. Now, people are busy. Things get, people get involved in things. So, so just taking those statistics, you're going to have to be intentional on your own to do what you need to do to make sure that your heart is ready for Christmas. Amen. Because you realize it's an important day, right? Okay, I, I hope we realize that. Now, this year especially, I think we need to be extremely intentional because we're, we're in a society right now, we're, we're affected, if we're not careful, we can be affected by a society that is around us. Remember what Paul said, we are in this world, but we are not of this world, right? Okay, and that's not an adversarial relationship, but we need to understand we're in this world, but we're not to become part of this world. We're to be a witness to the world, okay? But this year, particularly, the major emphasis that we're being bombarded with, and it started months ago, supply chain shortage. There's going to be a shortage of food. There's going to be a shortage of whatever. You fill in the blank. And so what it does is it creates this sense of, I got to get out there and got to get all I can because somebody else might grab it before me. Okay, are you, are you sensing the same thing? I mean, it's getting to the point that when you go to the supermarket, if you see that one item there, that you're like, I don't even know if I need it or not, but I better take it because it's the only one. No, somebody I know might need it, you know? And so if we're not careful, and listen to me, church, please, hear my heart this morning. If we're not careful, that mentality is going to squeeze Christmas out of the, off the scene and is going to cause us to become even more self-centered more selfish, more greedy, more me first in the heck with everybody else. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. yes. Okay. I hope that it's not affecting you. So I thought it'd be proper, and I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of led me in this direction, that we make every effort over these next few weeks to concentrate on the topics that are going to cause us to stay focused on the important things. Amen. Christmas trees are important. Gifts are important. All this other stuff. But 
that is not the thing that is the most important. The thing that is most important, as we recognize, we're celebrating. The, I, like, I always like to equate Christmas with D-Day. How many know D-Day? June the 6th, 1940, was it 41? 44. I thought it was 44, yeah. I was going to say 44. What happened on that day? Well, the, the greatest and largest invasion that ever took place began that day, okay? And um, fascism all across Europe began to crumble. Well, Christmas Day was a day that heaven first began to invade earth to overthrow the kingdom of darkness, and if you come on Wednesday nights, I'm doing a teaching uh, very specific to that. I'm talking about Wednesday nights. Uh, the title of the, of the series for this month on Wednesdays is The Reason for It All. And you see that the reason for it all is a scripture that's in the New Testament. It talks about, in fact, it's in the Gospel of John. I believe it's in chapter 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to do what? To destroy the works of the evil one. Well, that began on Christmas Day. Now, naturally, the Word of God was coming forth through the prophets in the Old Testament. But on Christmas Day, the Messiah shows up on the scene. Okay? Now, that's important. Because that signaled the beginning of the downfall of the kingdom of darkness. That's what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating a fat little guy with a red suit, okay? Although if that's part of your Christmas tradition and celebration, God bless you. But make sure you focus on the important thing. Amen? Amen. Okay, you're with me this morning, right? Good. You guys had a breakfast and you're alert and you had your coffee? All right, good, good, okay. So, with all this message that's coming by and all the short supply, make sure you buy everything. I want to make a major announcement this morning that there will never be a shortage of the love, mercy, and grace of God. And if you have Jesus, you got everything. You might not be able to get every little toy and you might not be able to get all what you want, but if you got Jesus, you got everything. And so the biggest concern this year is not allowing the true meaning of Christmas and all it represents to get lost in the midst of all this turmoil, all the confusion, all the fear, all the panic. Okay? He is the light of the world. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Come on, keep going. And love. And what? Sound mind. Keep that sound mind. Amen? Don't let fear overtake you. Don't let panic overtake you. And this year especially, we need to take advantage of every opportunity to share Jesus. Every opportunity. Amen? Amen? We need to be centered. Our focus needs to be on him. He needs to be exalted over and above every adversity, every situation. And listen, right now, we, the church, are very much operating, or should be operating, like that angel that came to visit the shepherds on that night Jesus was born. They had a message. The message was this. Today, in the city of David, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, he's born. Now, now that's not our message word for word, but our message is this. He's, he's come. He's here. He, he's, he's gone to the cross. He forgave our sins. He's covered us with his blood. He's forgiven all of that stuff. That's the message that you and I, we need to take that message because there's so many people that don't know him yet. And I might be getting ahead of myself, but listen, they know his name, but they don't know him. They, you know, when I say they, it's you and I, what we used to be, okay? 
I hope that doesn't sound condescending. It's not my heart and not my meaning. But there are people that know his name. You knew his name at one time, but you didn't know him. Okay, I grew up, I, I was considered the most religious person in my family when I was a kid. Went to Catholic school, the whole bit, everything else, you know. I was, when, I, when I got born again, it sent tremors through my whole family. Like, wait, wait, wait this is a guy who's like, knew everything about, what, but I didn't know him. Are you listening to, I knew culture, I knew tradition, I knew what we were taught, but I wasn't told about him. When I heard the gospel for the first time, I was like, why didn't somebody tell me? Why, why? It was like the missing piece of the puzzle just fell right in place. Are you listening to me? Well, guess what? How many of you had that same experience? Now, now, there's people in your life that are waiting for that puzzle piece to fall in place, but they need somebody to tell them. Make sure this year you take every opportunity. If, you're gonna, if, you, if you bless your mailman, if you put a little envelope in the mailbox, put a little card in there, write a little something, put a scripture, plant the seed. You never know how it's going to come back. Amen. Because his word does not return void. It accomplishes that which it was sent for to do. Take advantage of these things. Amen? Amen? All right, I hope you're listening. Okay. So, again... Our biggest challenge that we face right now is not that the greater majority of people have never heard his name, but unfortunately, that's all they know is his name. So we introduced the message this morning with this song, What Child Is This? Um, it's, a, it's a very pretty song. It's been handed down to us through the years. It was first published in 1865. It's, it's a melody that's based on an old English song called Greensleeves. But listen to the words again. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him law. That's an old English word. Really, today we would say to bring him praise. The babe, the son of Mary. That is the question that we must now answer to a generation who doesn't know him. And therefore, if they don't know him, how are they going to avoid an eternity separated from God, an eternity in hell? You and I are in relationship with God Almighty because somebody told us. God used someone. Nobody gets born again on their own out of nowhere. You either saw something on TV, you saw something on the internet, somebody might have handed you a little pamphlet, someone spoke to you, God used another individual, God used some type of uh, medium to get across to you this message that you responded to by faith, and when you responded by faith, the grace of God came upon you, and you received salvation. That, that is not unique to you. It needs to be now brought to all those around you. God used a person that you were acquainted with or met or maybe somebody just walked up to you on the street. God used someone. Don't listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. Don't you think the people that are in your life deserve to, say, deserve to have the same opportunity? And around the holidays is when people's hearts sometimes are a little bit more open, especially this year especially the scenario that we find ourselves in, where every day it's like something else is getting announced that we should be afraid of or concerned about or panicked over. 
We need to use the tools that God's given us, his word, his love, his peace, and bring that to all those around us. Say, well, what if they reject it? It's not your business what they do with it. What our business is is to bring the message. You are a messenger. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. So, this question needs to be answered in every generation. Who is he? Is he real? Did he really walk the earth? And if he did, how does it affect me? And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. Look at this, this part here, the second part. And always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Be ready. Be willing. God makes you able. Take the step of faith. Well, you know, it's not, kind of my, not my personality. Then take a step of faith. When things don't come natural to us, we act in faith. Amen? Amen. And I don't know that any of us it comes really, really natural to. It's something we always have to kind of like put ourselves out there. Be prepared to bring the hope that you have to those who do not know him yet. Amen. I'm going to say it again. I want you to catch this. Be prepared to bring the hope you have to those who do not know him yet. Amen. Treat every person as a potential believer. Many, many years ago, before most of the majority of my family came to the Lord, when people would ask me, well, is your dad saved? Is your mom saved? Is your brother, your sister, whatever? I would say, not yet, but they're coming. Amen. You getting this? Not yet, but they're coming. Okay, what are you doing? You're not lying. You're not saying, oh, yeah, hallelujah. You know, all my family's saved in Jesus' name. If they're not, they're not Yet. But position your words in such a way that it opens up the opportunity for them. Don't seal them. Don't talk about people. Oh, no. Oh, that person will never get saved. Oh, they're too far gone. Are you kidding me? If God saved you, he could save anybody. Amen? Amen? If, the, if, the, if the roof didn't cave in in the church when you walked in, it's not going to happen. But you see, we have this, sometimes we have this habit. We seal people's fate with our words. Don't do that. Always refer to your unsaved loved ones, your friends, your coworkers as not yet, but they're coming. You want to practice that? Okay. Are all of your family members saved? Not yet. Well, you guys are good. Let's do it one more time. Are all your coworkers and friends saved? Not yet. But they're coming. Amen. Amen. And what a blessing it is when God gives you the opportunity to be used by him. Amen? Amen? I want to go back to the Old Testament. I believe one of the saddest passages in the scriptures is found in Exodus chapter 5. At this point in time, Moses has had the revelation of the burning bush. God spoke to him, given him direction, given him instruction. He has left his family there in Midian with his father-in-law. He has left shepherding and he's returned to Egypt. He's reunited with his brother Aaron, his sister Miriam. And at this point in time, he's revealed to the Israelites what his mission is, what God's plan is to rescue them. Now, in Exodus chapter 5, Moses is about to go and speak to Pharaoh and confront him with the message that God put in his heart. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, 
that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Some translations say that they may worship, that they may worship me. Verse two, listen, saddest, saddest verse of scripture in the Old Testament. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And they said to him, the God of the Hebrews had met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Then the king of Egypt said to Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. Listen to what just happened here. God gives Pharaoh an opportunity to humble himself. This is the ruler of the biggest, strongest empire to date. And he's given the opportunity to humble himself, to find out who this God is, to position himself in such a way that he could be a major blessing, not only to God's people, but to his own empire. How does he respond? Who is this Lord? I don't know him. Why should I obey him? And what does he do? He responds, well, I should really put it this way. He reacts with retaliation. He completely minimizes the importance of this message. And what does he reduce it to? You guys are taking the people away from their work. Get back to work. What does he what does he, We would say today, he completely blew them off and he had the opportunity of a lifetime. That, my friends, is sad. And yet how many times people, in, even this day, in our own society, in our own culture, when, when people come face to face with this message, they blow it off in retaliation. They minimize the significance of it. And that's all the more reason why you and I need to take every single opportunity. But what if somebody responds to me the way found? No, that's not our business. Our business is to plant seeds. And even though they might reject it this time, maybe next time somebody else is going to come by and water that seed. Maybe another time someone else is going to come by and add to that message. And then at some point in time, they're going to receive. That was my experience. I had multiple individuals going all the way back to high school. Individuals in high school, my high school class. It was a guy and a girl in, in my senior class. And, and everybody, everybody called them the Jesus freaks. The Jesus freaks. Because they were born again. They talked about their youth group. They talked about going to church. It was like... <laughs> but I noticed something different about them. And so a seed got deposited in my heart. Years later, God sent somebody else, a person that came to work for me in my business. I put that poor woman through hell, tormented her teased her, mocked her for her beliefs. And all the while, here I am, Mr. Catholic. I'm all, yeah, I'm a good Catholic and all this other kind of stuff. But at some point then, over the years, God kept sending people to water that seed and water that seed and water that seed. And then in 1984, man, everything just burst forth. All the seeds that were deposited. And although I responded with mocking in the past, at that point in time, man, my heart just opened up and I received the message of the gospel and I received the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and there's been lo no looking back since that day. And I know if we had the opportunity, many of us, the great majority of us could probably have the same testimony. But the fact of the matter is, Pharaoh had the chance to humble himself. And instead of responding with repentance, he reacted in retaliation and completely minimized not only the message, but his opportunity. We're living in a world that very much reacts the same way. And so that's why with us, every generation, we've got to bring this message. Now, we need to be prepared to answer this question. What child is this? Who is he really? What is he all about? Now, some of you from this point forward are going to have the opportunity to say in your heart, I know all this. Honey, you can read a scripture a hundred times, but then you could be in a specific season of life and that scripture will speak something completely different to you. For the word is alive and active. Amen? Amen. So please resist the temptation because here's what the problem is with us as Christians. Okay? We get on fire for God because we heard the simple gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We respond by faith, we receive his grace. Then we get on fire for God. And then we keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. But what happens is we forget sometimes the basics of how we got there to begin with. And the person that most of the people you're going to come in contact with, they don't, they're not going to benefit by your philosophy about who the Antichrist is. The average individual that doesn't know Christ, they have not yet received salvation. They're scraping through life just to keep their sanity. Okay, they don't need to hear all our opinions and philosophies. What do they need? The same thing you need. You needed to hear that God loved you. You needed to hear that God forgave you. You needed to hear the message of the angel that God's not mad at you anymore. There's goodwill toward men. That's what they need to hear. Maybe if we started majoring on the basic things, we'd have a lot more success of bringing people into the kingdom. Amen. Are you listening? So let's talk about some really basic, really basic things. What child is this? Well, number one, he's not a baby in the manger anymore. Now, if you come from my background, how many people here come from a Catholic background? Okay. We, we survived. Okay, and, and we can say that. If we're former Catholics, we can say that. If you're not a former Catholic, you can't say that. Okay? But thank God for some of the basic things that we were taught. I really do thank God for that. But one of the things that kind of gets reinforced is this idea of like the baby Jesus is going to be born all over again every year. It's a big, big importance on the baby Jesus. And you hear people praise him, oh, baby Jesus. Years ago, I heard this funny story. I hope it's funny to you. I know it was funny to me. There was this particular man at Christmas time found himself in a really desperate situation financially. And so he goes to his little village church and he goes in there, it's quiet, there's nobody around and he goes and kneels down in front of the manger, the baby Jesus, okay? And he begins to pray, oh, baby Jesus, please send me money. I have no food, I'm starving. Now the priest was there and he didn't say him, but the priest was there. And the priest heard what he prayed and knew that this guy was just a lazy good for nothing. And so the priest goes and sneaks up behind the statue of St. Joseph and whispers, go get a job. <laughs> and the man turns to the statue of St. Joseph and says, keep quiet, I'm talking to your son. 
Now, we laugh about that, but some people have this reality that you got to pray to the baby Jesus. Well, guess what? The baby Jesus grew up and became a man and went to the cross and sacrificed his life and rose from the dead and he's resurrected in all his majesty. That's the one that we pray to. You say, well, that's a minor thing. Yeah, it's a minor thing if you didn't come out of that background. But there are people that are trapped in that mindset. And again, listen to me. I thank God for my roots. A lot of you guys grew up in churches that they didn't teach you that God was real. They taught you all kinds of philosophies and everything else but the truth. At least we were told God's real. God works miracles. Amen? Amen. So... But let's watch our mindset. First Timothy chapter two, there is one God and one meteor who can reconcile God to humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this is a message that God gave to the world at just the right time, just the right time. It was the man Christ Jesus who went to the cross and purchased our salvation. This as we sang some of the lyrics in that song, just a little while ago, nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Next thing we need to, who is this? Who is this? What child is this? We need to be prepared to answer. He's the only path to God. We live in a world right now where many people identify themselves as spiritual. I'm spiritual. What do you believe? Well, I'm a spiritual person. Yeah, 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 you are. Uh, and, and that concerns me sometimes, but yeah, yeah. We're all spiritual. Why? Because we've been created in the image and likeness of God. And Jesus said, God is spirit. So yes, we are all spiritual. The real person who you are is not what you see. I'm, the real person that I am, not this fat little ball guy, okay? It's, it's who I am in my spirit. Are you listening to me? And so when you go to heaven, when we all go to heaven together, don't look for the bald, chubby guy. Okay, because I already made a deal with God. I got a full head of hair waiting there. <laughs> Jacked. Okay, because that's the only way it's going to happen. But you understand what I'm saying? Now, a person states that they're spiritual does not equate with them being a child of God. Many people who believe in spirituality, they believe in many paths to God, are sadly going to find themselves, when they take their last breath, separated from God. There are not many paths. And if this offends you, I'm sorry, but I like my job and I want to keep it, so I'm it's obligated to teach the truth. Amen? Amen. Uh, there is no many paths to God philosophy. There are lies from the enemy. Right. Amen? John chapter 1, verse 11. He, speaking of Jesus, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Are you listening? You seeing what it says? Can you go back to verse, uh, verse 12, I guess it is? But as many as received him, to them, who's to them? The ones who received him. To many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who do what? Come on, guys, it's right there. To those who what? Believe in his name. Well, I just believe that, you know, all religions are the same. It's just a different name. No, no, not all religions are the same. And again, if that offends you, I'm sorry, but somebody's got to tell you the truth. It's not true. Well, I believe that, you know, the Jews, the Muslims, the Christians. No, hold on a second there. You got two thirds right. Okay, I'll tell you right out. And again, I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, but it's the truth. 
Islam's God is not the God of Christianity. And if you go to Jerusalem, you can prove it. Because in that dome that sets on what is supposed to be the site of where the temple is, I just found this out recently, shocked me. What it says in Arabic is God does not have a son. God does not have a son. That puts it in direct conflict with Christianity. Okay, don't fall for this stuff. Okay, well, we're all children of God. No, we're all creations of God. We become children of God when we walk through First John, excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 12. I'm sorry to shock you, but that is just the God's honest truth, okay? Now, does that mean we're better? No, no, it's not to do with being better. That's to do with we recognize the truth and we walk in it. Amen. Okay, are you listening to me? People say, well, God's love is unconditional. Yeah, and? Because God's love is unconditional doesn't mean his promises are unconditional. The promises of God are conditional. You gotta believe them. God's love is unconditional. That's a whole different subject. Are you getting this? You're in relationship with God because you fulfilled your part of the deal. Okay, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but you got a call. It's not, nobody slips into heaven automatically. You, You have a choice to make. And that is the message that we need to bring to people. It's not that we're better than anybody else. It's not that people are inferior. It's nothing to do with people. We love people. We hate the philosophy that sends people to hell. But we love people. We respect people. Are you getting this? All right. Basics, okay? So, uh, it's sad to say that even many Christians have fallen into this trap of thinking that all religions lead to the same God. They do not. They do not. John chapter 14 makes it very clear. Verse three, Jesus speaking, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas speaks up, of course, that is the whole group. Thomas would be the one to speak up, right? Thomas speaks up and said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Verse six, listen to John chapter 14, verse six. You want to read it with me nice and loud, nice and loud, nice and loud. Ready? One, two, three. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Bottom line. Doesn't leave any place. Come up here. I saw you walk in. Are you listening to me? No, seriously, are you listening to me? Because I'm concerned that this message could get blown off very easily because some people say, well, I know all this stuff, I know all this stuff. Yeah, but do we know it to the point where it's natural that these answers are gonna come up? Are you listening to me? Please, please, I beg you in the name of Jesus. We are so close to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, there has to be an urgency inside you to recognize and realize I have got to get this message to every single person I possibly can, okay? It is so appropriate that these people just walked in right now because that is my spiritual mom and my spiritual dad, the ones that took me under their wing when I first got born again, okay? If I knew you were coming, I would have made a bigger fuss over it. 
she is the one who took me under her wing. She is the one who, who really God put in my life to make me understand the importance of not just saying a prayer, but growing in the things of God. Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, you and I now have the responsibility to be that to somebody else. It can't stop with you. It can't stop with me. Are you listening? Yes. Seize the moment. Do you recognize how bold the enemy is right now? Do you recognize, he doesn't even hide anymore. He, whatever he wants to do is wide open on television, on the internet, out in public. It's just like, what the heck? I've, seen, I've said this so many times. If a person that lived 100 years ago could come out of the grave and see what it's like, they'd say, put me back in the box. But because this is all we know, and it's so, so subtle, and it's, it's come upon us a little bit at a time, we're growing tolerant. The church is growing tolerant of this stuff. If the devil is as bold as he is, then you and I need to be 10 times more bold. Amen. You listening? Yes. People are going to go to hell if you don't talk to them. Amen. Next basic truth. How do we answer this question? What child is this? Jesus is not just a great teacher, a good man, a miracle worker, or just a great person to follow. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. What does that mean? Fancy language saying this, he's God in the flesh on earth. Amen? Amen? So, he carries all the divine attributes of God the Father. John chapter 1, we're spending a lot of time in the Gospel of John today. John chapter 1. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, one of the greatest evidences I want to give to you, because this is an argument you get some, oh, yeah, I know Jesus was a good man, he was a good teacher, but that was about it. Oh, no, 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 no. And here's one of the greatest proofs that I can offer to you. All throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus accepting worship from people. And for a Jew to do that is complete blasphemy and deserving of execution. There is not one instance where he ever stops somebody from worshiping him. What does that mean? He's God. He received worship. People came and knelt down to him and worshiped him and then asked him, what, to do something for him. Uh, it, blind people, they worshiped him. And then he said, what do you want me to do? They worshiped him. The centurion worshiped him and his servant got healed. Okay, James and John's mother come to Jesus, worship him, and then they ask him, they ask Jesus if her sons could have a special place in his kingdom. He accepted worship. Are you getting this? When you read the scriptures, read the scriptures. Let them speak to you. Don't just let them just pass by. He's the only one that received worship. You have Peter in the New Testament. They try to worship him. He says to them, stop that. I'm just a man just like you. You have angels come and refuse worship. But Jesus accepted worship from people. What does that tell us? He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a good uh, person and good morals. He is God in the flesh. Listen, the answer to the question, what child is this? He's God. He's God born into this earth. Are you getting this? Are you learning anything today? The disciples worshiped him when, when he stilled the waters. When he spoke to the wind and the waves and they ceased. And they said, truly you are the son of God. The next part you need to know, which I, he's eternal. Listen, I, I love this part of scripture in John chapter 8. 
I love when Jesus does things. You go, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. And just say, okay, can we rerun? Can we hit the rerun? Can we see how that went? went down? Jesus is having a major discussion with the Jewish leaders, the religious people, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. We pick up in this discussion in John chapter 8, in verse 56. Jesus speaking. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Oh, I love verse 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And it so triggered them. It says that they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. If it wasn't true that he believed this, why would they pick up stones to stone him? If somebody's crazy, if somebody's a liar, you just let them talk. But when he said, before Abraham was, I am, what do you think they thought of immediately? Moses in the burning bush. What happened there? Well, Moses said, when I go back to Egypt and speak to my brethren, if they ask me who sent you, who shall I say sent me? And what did God say? I am that I am. He's equating himself with God Almighty. Now, he believed what he said. We see that the religious leaders must have believed that he believed what he said, or they wouldn't have taken up stones. He received worship. He has all the eternal attributes of God the Father. He is eternal. He is God in the flesh. Now you say, well, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, but there are people that come from different backgrounds that we do that have not been taught these things. They've been taught that he's just another man. He's just a good, he's a good man. He worked miracles. Maybe he was a prophet, but he wasn't God. No, no, the scriptures tell us that he is God. And the people that don't know him need to hear that message. So again, what child is this? He is almighty God, the eternal God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is love, he is compassion, he has forgiven our sins. He is the one who died for our sins. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He is the one who resurrected from the dead, who is alive forevermore, so that we can have everlasting life. He is the one who comes into your life when you're born again. He is the one your unsaved loved ones need to hear about. Let me ask you this question. Is it possible that maybe you've forgotten who he is? Maybe he's gotten lost in the busyness of life. Listen to what it says in Psalm 103, starting in verse one. Bless the Lord, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Do not forget any of his benefits. Do not, let's even just reduce it to those three words. Do not forget all his benefits. Who pardons all your guilt, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Remember, the Bible is constantly telling us to remember, remember, don't forget, don't forget. Why? Because God knows life is busy. God knows we get occupied with things and preoccupied with things and we get busy. Even in, the, even in, even in church, we get busy. We get busy doing things, busy serving, busy, uh, you know, sharpening our skills. We get busy, busy, busy. And sometimes you forget 
who you're actually supposed to be busy about. And let this be the Christmas this year where we stay focused, where we're prepared, where we have the answers to give. Like Peter said, always be ready to give an answer to the hope that you have. It's time to rediscover him and all of his glory and all of his majesty. It's only when we know him are we capable of answering that question, what child is this? I hope you're hearing me today. You know, many of you know Margaret Ferrant. She was just here a couple of weeks ago. Um, she preached on two Wednesday nights. She posted something online. She doesn't even know I'm doing this, but I'll, I'll call her tomorrow and uh, tell her, listen, I quoted you in the message this week. A few days before Thanksgiving, she posted this on her Facebook post. Let's be honest, 2020, 2021 has been wild, and that's in capital letters. A pandemic, a political chaos, so much strife and division. So many believers have lost sight of who God is and what God is doing. This holiday season, let's take time to refocus and reset. Turn our hearts to our first love, to Jesus, and listen to the still small voice that leads us and guides us into all truth. Take time to slow down. Enjoy your families. Enjoy the little things again. And find God in the secret place. That's the most important part. Find God in the secret place. Find God in the secret place. Now, let me ask you this question. How many people can be in a secret place? Just you. Just you. Because if you bring anybody else in with you, it's not secret anymore. You listening to me? What am I saying? You need to develop a lifestyle that you get alone with God. You know, many years ago, some of you have heard me say this before, but many, many years ago was I, when I was in the restaurant business, I would get to the, to the place at six o'clock in the morning. We didn't really open until nine, but I would get there like six o'clock in the morning. And I, there was this particular table that I had in one place in the restaurant, in the dining room. And I would sit there and I would make two cups of coffee. I would make one for me and I would make one for Jesus. Say, well, that kind of sounds stupid. Some of my best times with God were in that place of practicing his presence. Are you listening to me? Practicing his presence. If there's ever a time to me to, and I would sit there and I'd read my Bible and I would talk to what would appear to you as an empty seat, but it wasn't empty to me. That was my, it's not a secret anymore, but that was my secret place, Okay. That was a place where I met with him. That was a place where I poured my heart out, shared my concerns, my fears, my whatever. And those are some of the richest times of life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to you. Practice his presence because in the secret place, you pick up things that are extremely personal and specific to you. He's talking to you in that place. During this Christmas season, I pray in the name of Jesus that you take up that challenge. Establish the secret place. Maybe in your car while you're driving. Maybe in the shower. It may be at some place in your home where maybe you have some peace and quiet. But find that secret place. And let me tell you something. When you make the effort to do that, God will reward you with a sense of intimacy and a sense of personal relationship that you can't find in a crowd like this. This is awesome and it serves its purpose, but it doesn't serve the purpose of the secret place. Are you listening? 
When asked the question, what child is this? Are you going to answer like Pharaoh? <coughs> Pharaoh missed his chance. He missed his opportunity. He said to Moses, who was the Lord that I should obey him? I don't know this Lord. There are people in your life that right now don't know him. There may be some in your life that know his name. They know about him, but they've never met him. They don't know him. And therefore, they have no mechanism in their life right now to get them from the place of darkness to the place of light. You are that bridge. You are that vehicle. You are the one that could take them across that divide and bring them to a place where they know God. Be like the angel that told the shepherds. Go tell everybody that Christ is here. Messiah is here. Take every opportunity. Will you do that, please, this holiday season? Will you? Yes. Let me pray for you. Stand up, everybody. I really do pray that something I shared today, a scripture, a story, something, has become implanted in your heart and will cause you to pursue the Holy Spirit that he would make you sensitive to the needs of those that are around you. I just want to pray for you before we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray for every single person that's here right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will cause us to be sensitive to your voice, sensitive to your spirit, Father. Lord, if there's those among us here that without meaning, Father God, have kind of forgotten the significance and the importance of this Jesus of Christmas. Become busy, become preoccupied. Father, so many people are so overwhelmed in their minds with all that's going on in our society right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would reveal yourself to us once more in a very real way, Father God. Very personally, very specific to each and every one of our lives, Father. I pray that you would do something or speak something to every one of us, God, that we would know, that we know, that we know that it came from you. Something very specific to that individual. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there's someone that's even seeking healing right now, trusting you and believing you for healing right now, I pray, God, for your touch to just come upon them right now, that they would know that they know that you are God. And that would cause a fire to erupt on the inside of us. Father, to others, I pray that the scriptures would come alive once again. And when they read their Bibles, Father, when they even read the Gospel of Luke as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, God, it'll be so real to them, Father. And that'll cause an urgency to rise up on the inside to reach others. Father, if there's those that don't know you that are here right now this morning, they know your name, they know about you, but they've never met the Lord Jesus Christ. They have never declared by faith their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would draw their hearts today, Lord. That at the end of the service, Father, that they would come forth to receive prayer, leading them into salvation, Father. God, we trust you for all these things. We're so grateful for, for all that you do in our lives, for making yourself real to us, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that you did send the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth, that the Lamb of God 
but be sacrificed on the cross. Take all our sin away. Thank you that through his sacrifice, he has cleared the path for us to come back in relationship with you, Lord. We're forever grateful, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen to me. We're going to be dismissed in two seconds here. If you've never prayed a very simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, to give you the opportunity to acknowledge your faith in him and your trust in him, please, please, I beg you, don't leave this place without taking advantage of that opportunity. There are people that will be lined up up front here. They will lead you in a very simple prayer. You'll walk out of this place today different. Your spirit will come alive unto God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. Go enjoy the rest of the day. We'll see. Don't forget Wednesday night. Okay, we're here at 7 o'clock. Thank you. moving to Florida where it's nice and warm and we love these guys and we wanted to bring them up and a prayer for them Dan and Ashley why don't you come on up bring that little sweetheart with you it says Dan and Ashley Gill would you please welcome them yeah come on it was first time for everything right Barb Pastor Cat, Pastor Beth come on up we used to like you guys until you decided to move to Florida. <laughs> but I just want to say in front of everybody, thank you for being the blessing that you have been this time that you've been here with us. What, been like four years? About four years. And uh, again, you've always been a blessing to us. We pray that God would open up every door of opportunity that you need to walk through uh, for jobs, things of that nature. And we know that you're going, you have quite a few family members down there already. And um, we're glad that you're happy about going, but we're going to be sad. We miss you guys because you're a fixture here every weekend. Usually sitting right behind us or where you are there, either on Saturday night or Sunday. And we're blessed because we've seen the hand of God on your lives. We've seen what God has been doing in your life. And um, especially this little sweetheart here who tells everybody in her, what is it, uh, preschool? Uh, she, wants, she tells all her, her classmates, uh, do you know Jesus? So keep doing that, honey. Keep it up. And um, yeah. So we say goodbye to you for now. Uh, please, whenever you come up here to visit, please come and see us. Stay in touch. Stay in touch with us on Facebook and stuff. And I pray that uh, you guys find a good church down there. And please bless those pastors the way you've blessed us. Be a blessing to them. Be an answer to somebody's prayer down there. And uh, so we're just going to pray for you and uh, send you off. Amen. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for the blessing yes. that they have been to us, to this church, Father God. Uh, Lord, we're so encouraged by seeing your hand upon their lives and seeing the transformation that's taken place in their lives, Father God. And Lord, the thing that you've deposited in their hearts, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would in turn now deposit that seed in the hearts of others that don't know you yet. Father, we pray that you bring them to a good church, a church where the word is being preached, where the spirit of God is allowed to move so they can continue to be transformed into your image and likeness more and more and more. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this. We put the enemy on notice in the name of Jesus. We come against any works of darkness, any obstacles, any traps from the enemy in the name of Jesus. We pray for good, godly relationships that you'd be surrounded with. We pray that you'd continue to walk in blessing, that no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper, that everything that you put your hands to shall prosper, and that you go forth in victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Give it up for them. Can I get a hug? Can I get a hug? Gonna miss you guys. Thank you. Go be a blessing, Dan. Safe trip. Thank you. Amen. Uh, those are the tough parts of being a pastor when you got to say goodbye to people. Um, praise God. All right, so let's get back on track here. Um, we start our series today leading up to our Christmas services on Christmas Eve, Thursday night, Friday night here. The other campus in campus in Bayville. It's having two services on Christmas Eve. The campus and wall will be having one service on Christmas Eve. If you have friends, relatives, coworkers in either one of those areas where it's too far for them to come here to Brick, please let them know that we have a campus in Monmouth County. We have a campus in Central Ocean County in Bayville. Bayville campus is very easy to get to. It's right off the parkway. The campus, our campus and wall is right, right off of Belmar Boulevard. If any of you are familiar with that area, Belmar Boulevard and Glendola Road, uh, there's Exxon, no, what is it, Sunoco Station on the corner there. If you're familiar with that area, let your family members know uh, that they can go to church there. Amen? So they're probably just finishing up the service over there now. So um, let me share my heart with you before I get into the actual message here because I think it's important. I, I need you to know the why of, of why we're delving into this material that we are today. Um, I guess it was about eight years ago. Um, I never used to like the holidays since I went into the ministry because it always seemed like it was an interruption. Like, you're, like the Holy Spirit would have you on a specific direction to go and then you got to stop because it's either Thanksgiving or it's Christmas or whatever. Easter, I never had a problem with. But these other holidays seem like they got in the way, okay? I don't know if you can understand that, but just hear my heart. But about eight years ago, I felt like the Holy Spirit started dealing with me about being, about teaching to prepare people to be more intentional, especially about Christmas. Okay, Thanksgiving, you know, is a good holiday. We love Thanksgiving. It's probably one of the best holidays for us to observe throughout the year because, I mean, that's, that brings us closer to God when we practice Thanksgiving. But Christmas gets swallowed up. Christmas just gets gets buried underneath all the material. I mean, look, it's crazy. It's not even, uh, not even Halloween season yet, and they got Christmas decorations up in the stores. It's like anything to just push this thing. But what, I'm, what I've become alarmed about, and I want to share my heart with you along these lines, is especially this year. In the past, it's been easy for Christmas to get kind of buried in materialism, but this year, there's something different going on. I don't know if you can, and I pray that, that God gives me the opportunity to really communicate this clearly, because on top of materialism, I'm talking about the message that we're getting from society, okay? Now, understand this. 
we are in this world. You're sitting here on planet Earth right now, right? I hope you know that. We're sitting on planet Earth right now. But the Bible tells us that although we're in this world, we are not of this world. We are literally behind enemy lines. Now, when I say behind enemy lines, I don't mean that people are our enemies. What I'm saying is right now, until Jesus returns, the earth is under the influence of the God of this world, little g, God of this world, which is Satan, okay? Adam gave Satan permission to become the God of this world. When he turned against God and pretty much allowed Satan to come in and to rule, okay? Now, listen to me closely. The greatest way that we can honor the Lord Jesus Christ during this season is for us to disconnect from the normal world system. When I say normal, I mean the everyday world system that is constantly trying to perpetrate itself on us and that we remain in our hearts distinct and separate. Now, don't read into what I said. I am not saying that we are better than other people, but we are different than other people. Understand this. God's called us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we would show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you understand that? So what I'm saying is this. This year especially, we need to be very, very, very aware of the messages that we're being bombarded with because it's way more than the average materialism of the Christmas holidays gone by. This has more of a... Well, let me just jump into it. For instance, the message that's being broadcast to us continuously through media, online, every place you look is this. Everything's going to be in short supply this year, so you better buy everything you can. How many of you are hearing that? Yes. Supply chain breakdown. Uh, there's not going to be supplies. Last year, it was toilet paper and paper products. This year, it's pretty much everything. How many of you have gone to supermarkets, and it looks like Eastern Europe in the 1980s? Empty shelves. People are fighting over a can of beans. That kind of... That's exactly what the enemy wants to perpetrate. That's exactly the atmosphere he wants to create, okay? So that you, as the Christian, the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, will all of a sudden now start entertaining the thoughts of, I better go out and buy everything I can now because it might not be enough for me. And so on top of the materialism, now we have to fight off this temptation to be selfish, to be greedy, to put ourselves first, which is completely contrary to the message of the gospel. Yes or no? Yes. Are you catching this? Yes. Okay, so, so what, what great witness it would be if you go to the supermarket and there's one can left of whatever that item is and you're reaching for it the same time somebody else is reaching for it and you go, hey, the heck with you, buddy, it's mine. And you take, what an awesome, what an awesome witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, but we're being bombarded constantly with this. Better buy it now. Better buy it now. You better take as many as you can. And so, um, how many of you have that one relative that their garage looks like a warehouse? Okay, if you come from the same background that I come from, okay, right now, my dad, who pretty much is 88 years old, lives by himself, if you go in his garage, you think there was a family of 12 living in that house. There's about 16 cans of coffee, uh, six gallons of oil, 
cans of tomatoes. Uh, he buys pasta like by the dozens and then puts them in the freezer because he thinks they're going to go bad. Okay. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's the mentality that you and I have to stay away from. Not that it's not good to be prepared. Okay. You listen to me. Not that it's not good to be prepared, but it's that mentality of lack. It's a mentality that somebody else is going to get to it before we do. Please resist that, the temptation to go in that direction because it's very strong right now. Are you listening? That's why I want us to be intentional this year especially. And I ho- hope that you really, really would jump on board with this and allow this message to really get in your heart so that you then can reproduce it in others. Are you listening? Do I have your attention? If you listen quick, we'll get out of here quick. I will tell you, though, that there's never going to be a shortage of the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. And if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Amen. Amen. So, so let that thought kind of like surround your mind and get a hold of it. And, um, but, but the thing that I think we need to be concerned of this year is that we take advantage of every opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus especially this year. Um, I know, look, any, every, every one of us that are in this room right now, we've gone through the past 18 months, two, two years, and, and every one of us has been affected somehow. There's not one of us in this room that hasn't been affected. You may have lost someone. You may be right now involved in the recovery of someone, you know, getting, getting rid of the virus and all this other junk and everything else that goes along with it. There's not a household here that hasn't been affected, okay? And, and that causes a mindset to develop that if we're not careful, will cause us to live in fear instead of living in faith, okay? So the biggest concern this year is that we make sure that we take advantage. Because let me tell you something, okay? The lost, the people that don't know Christ yet are way more willing to hear about him than you are about telling them. The enemy of our souls has convinced people that the general public doesn't want to hear about Jesus. And the fact is, it's the exact opposite. There are more people coming to Christ now. There are more people that are hungry, more people that want to know. Some of you that may be here right now, uh, a year ago, would have never thought to come to a church. Why? God is using all this junk. Now, God did not cause this. The enemy caused this. Okay? Don't ever forget that. Disease, sickness, no matter whether it's man-made, whether it occurs naturally, is all a byproduct of sin coming into this world. God did not create this earth to have disease and sickness or any of those things. Okay, go read, go read Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. It's nowhere there that he said, and on that day he created a virus and called it good. <laughs> you listening to me? That was not supposed to be part of the human experience. Sin allowed that to come into the world. Okay? So, so that's your enemy. So, but what I'm saying is this, God is using this right now to cause people to have a heart to really want to know about eternity, to want to know about God, to want to know about what happens after this life more now than we've seen in a long, long, long time. Yes or no? So let me just jump into this message. What is the important question that needs to be answered? 
We just sang the song. What child is this? Now, we live in a country where I doubt very much if you're going to find a person that never heard the name of Jesus, even if it was in the form of a curse word, okay? I would venture to say 99.9% of the people in our nation have heard that name. They may even know that this person existed. They might have even attended a church that's called by his name. But the unfortunate thing is all they know is the name or the curse word, just like you and I did before we got to know him, okay? And I'm sure that was to various degrees. Now, my personal experience, I was born and raised in Catholicism. Went to Catholic school as a child up until middle school. Um, I could have sat there and told you a bunch of stories from the Bible. Um, I believed that God was real. I believed that Jesus was real. I believed that he died on the cross for our sins, but I did not know him yet. And honestly, in my family, I was considered the most devout one. He's the, the one, like, the religious one in the family, if you put it that way. But when I heard the true gospel for the first time, I was angry. I was like, why didn't somebody tell me the rest of the story? Why didn't someone tell me that I could know all these things but still miss going to heaven because I didn't know him? It's like you having a relative that lives overseas somewhere. You know their name. You might even have their address. You might even be connected with them on Facebook, but you've never met them face to face. And that's exactly what I felt like. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. And there are people in every one of our lives, maybe, maybe family members, could be extended family, coworkers, neighbors, friends, classmates from years ago, that right now are suffering internally. I don't mean physically, I mean in their souls because they're being bombarded by the fear, the panic, the uncertainty of everything that's going on in, in society right now. And it's bad enough for us who know him. Imagine what it'll be like to walk through this pandemic, to walk through the political chaos, to walk through the uncertainty and the confusion of life right now and not have an anchor to hold on to. And we sit here and we're getting ready to enjoy our Christmas while those individuals are suffering on the inside. And just like God sent someone into your life to tell you about Jesus so that you could receive him, don't you think your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, classmates, don't you think they deserve the same opportunity that you had? Can we please this year as people's hearts usually are a little bit more tender around the holidays, especially Christmas and Easter, please seize every opportunity to talk to them. Seize every opportunity to get a message to them somehow about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to take you to a place in the Old Testament. You say, what does this have to do with Christmas? Give me the opportunity to kind of unpack it, okay? In Exodus chapter 5, I believe is the saddest verse of scripture in the Old Testament, okay? Now, but before we get to that, let me lay the groundwork here. By the time we come to Exodus chapter five, Moses has already encountered the, bur the burning bush. God has already spoken to him and given him his mission, his mandate, what he's supposed to do. Go back to Egypt, I wanna free my people. At this point in time, he's already left his family with his father-in-law in the wilderness, in the desert. 
He's gone back to Egypt. He's reunited with his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam. At this point in time, he's already presented himself to the Israelites, to the slaves there, and said to them, your God has heard you. God is going to rescue you. That's why he sent me back here. This has already happened. Now, he and Aaron are going to, to confront Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, at this point in history, is the ruler of the largest and most powerful empire that existed up until that point in history. Okay? Moses is going to confront Pharaoh, and this is where we pick up. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And some translations say, Let them go that they may worship me. Now look at this. Listen to Pharaoh's response. And then you'll know why I'm saying this is the saddest verse of scripture in the Old Testament. Pharaoh responds, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. That is sad. That is sad. Let's go to the next verse. So they, Moses and Aaron said, the God of the Hebrews had met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness, into the desert, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Next verse. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your labor. You say to yourself, wow. He totally blew off an opportunity. You see, God loves everyone. I remember reading a, a, a rabbinic commentary from this period of time, Book of Exodus. And the ancient rabbis believed this. We don't have it in Scripture, but I could see it being God's character. That you remember when, uh, at, the, at, the, in, at the point in Exodus where Moses is leading the children of Israel out and they have crossed the Red Sea. You remember that? And the Red Sea piled up on, on both sides so they could walk through on dry ground. And then Pharaoh comes in and follows them with his army. And then once the Israelites get to the other side, what happens? The sea closes over them. Well, it's, there's a saying or there's a, a tradition or a legend amongst the ancient rabbis. They said when that happened in heaven, that all the angels rejoiced around the throne. Yet God said to him, why do you rejoice seeing that I have destroyed my creation? See, they were looking at it, or we could look at it through natural eyes. But God had mercy on Pharaoh. God loved Pharaoh just like he loves you and he loves me. And here, God's giving Pharaoh the opportunity to humble himself. He's giving Pharaoh the opportunity to find out who he is now, could you imagine if Pharaoh would have said, who is the Lord, will you teach me? Who is the Lord, will you educate me? Who is the Lord that I may know him? But his reaction was, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And then responds with retaliation. Completely minimizes the message and says to them, you're pretty much wasting my time. Get back to work. You're stopping the people from working. And I'm telling you, I guarantee you to this day, right now as we're sitting here in this room, those words are echoing in Pharaoh's ears in hell. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? 
the question we started out with today in the song was, what child is this? There's an entire generation right now that needs to have that question answered. There's an entire segment of our society, even though America is a Christian nation based on Judeo-Christian principles, the majority of our nation knows the name. But the majority of our nation does not know the Lord that they should obey him. And the question needs to be answered in each generation. What child is this? Who is this? Was he real? Did he really walk on the earth? And if he did, how does it affect my life? Do you understand, church, that the responsibility to deliver those answers is with you and is with me? People want to know. People need to know. Are you listening to me? So, so I'm going to ask you to resist the temptation from this point forward because I'm going to share some very basic information about who this child is. Please resist the temptation to get bored or to sit there and go, well, I know this already. But when was the last time you really brought your Christianity back to step one? where you had on your lips the answers, who is this child? Because that's what people need to know. The thing that we end up doing many times, and many Christians, and I've watched this throughout these 37 years that I've been walking with the Lord, is that we get born again. Now, you get born again on the basis, excuse me, the most basic information about Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins and that he rose again from the dead. That's Christianity. I don't even know if it's 101. I would say it's a prerequisite for 101. And and that information got us on fire for God. When we first met him, think about the times when you first came, when you first came to faith in Christ, how it was all brand new. It was, you were filled with awe. You were filled with wonder. You were like, wow, this God is real. He's speaking to me. I'm hearing from him. He's doing major things in my life. But then, and then, and then you know, you, you, the fire kind of calms down a little bit, and now you start growing in your faith, and you start picking your pet little doctrines, and I love this scripture, and I love that scripture, and I, oh, yeah, I found that out about this thing, and oh, I understand this other principle in the word. And so what happens is we get so far, far out on the limb sometimes that we forget the tree that we're on. Now, the person you're going to come across during the holidays, maybe they're going to come to your house and Christmas time, a family member, something like that. They don't, right now, you telling them your theory about who the Antichrist is is not going to help them. What they need to hear is the basics. He's the son of God. He came to this earth through a virgin. He went to the cross and died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. Stick to that. Why am I telling you this? Because I made those mistakes early on as a Christian. I thought I needed to dazzle people with deep stories from the Bible, and they would look at me like, I mean, it meant a lot to me, but it didn't mean much to them. Why? Because they weren't even on square one yet. Are you listening to me? Does this make sense? So, So let's get to some basics, okay? What child is this? Well, number one, He's not a baby anymore. You understand what I'm saying? And so many people still, still relate to him as a baby. Okay, and especially this time of the year, 
How many of you, how many of you have a little manger in your house? You're going to set it up, whether you set it up already or not. That's it. How many of you have that in your house? All right, the rest of you, tomorrow morning, go to the thrift store next door because they got really nice ones and buy one, okay? But understand, uh, if you grew up in my religious background, you had a nativity set. That's it. There's no question. In fact, that went up before the Christmas tree went up. And all the attention is on the baby Jesus, right? And some of the, I know some people treated baby Jesus like the elf on the shelf. And so they put him in this part of the house. And then as it gets closer to Christmas Eve, then we get him closer to the, stop that. It's cute. But you were not seeing him in the light that he has. I heard a really funny story years ago. Okay. I hope it's funny to you. It was funny to me. I don't know. There was this man and it was Christmas time and uh, he's broke. He's really strapped financially. And so uh, he goes to his little village church and he gets into church and it's Christmas time, so they have the whole nativity scene set up. And he goes and he kneels down in front of the baby Jesus in the manger, and he begins to pray. Baby Jesus, please give me money. Bring me money, because I have no food and I'm starving. Now, the priest happened to be in the church. The man didn't know he was there. And the priest hears him, and the priest knows this guy's a lazy good for nothing. And so the priest sneaks up and hides behind the statue of St. Joseph. As the man is praying to baby Jesus, the priest whispers, go get a job. <laughs> and the man turns around to St. Joseph and says, be quiet, I'm talking to your son. <laughs> but there are still people who do the same thing with baby Jesus. He's not a baby anymore. He grew up, he's a man, amen? You're still holding on to baby Jesus. He grew up. Turn to somebody and say, he grew up. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there was one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this is the message that God gave to the world just at the right time. It was the man, Christ Jesus, who went to the cross and purchased our salvation. The people in your life that don't know him yet, they need to know that he became a man and went to the cross on his own will, okay? He wasn't murdered. He wasn't martyred. He went willingly. Why? He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, okay? Are you listening? Okay? He grew up. He's a man. So we need to understand that. Why? Because that holds people in bondage. That holds people back from knowing the real Jesus. The next thing we need to know, the next question, when we're, when we're posed with that question or want to answer that question, what child is this? He is the only path to God. Settle that in your heart, please, once and for all. Because unfortunately, a lot of wrong teaching has crept into Christianity. Okay? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread on some, on some controversial ground here. I'm not doing this to offend anybody, but it is my responsibility to preach the truth as it's presented to us in the Word of God. I like my job. I want to keep it. Okay? So, he is the only way. Now, we live in a world right now where people identify themselves as spiritual. What do you believe? Well, I'm a very spiritual person. Spiritual. Yeah, um, that's pretty obvious because we're all spiritual because God created all of us in his image. 
And Jesus himself said that God is spirit. So when a person says I'm spiritual, yeah, we all are. Every one of us are. But my question is, what spirit are you connected to? Because we see a lot of garbage creeping into the church. I don't mean new beginnings. I mean in general. There are churches, Christian churches, that teach right now. Well, you know, Jesus is just one of the ways. There's many ways to get to God. No, that's, that's baloney. In fact, it's worse than baloney. It's baloney on steroids. It's blasphemous. Because it accuses Jesus of being a liar. Because he said he's the only way. Uh, are you listening? So, when a person states that they're spiritual, that does not equate with them being a child of God. You are a spirit by nature. God created you spirit first. Then you took on a body. Amen? And then you developed a soul. But when we get to heaven, it's our spirit that's there. When you got born again, it was your spirit that became alive unto God. Are you listening? So yeah, we are spiritual. But what spirit is that person connected to? As many who believe that in spirituality believe that there's many paths to God and sadly find themselves separated from God when they step into eternity. Okay? What are you gonna, if that's true, if there are many paths to God, then what are you going to do with this scripture? John chapter 1, verse 11. He, Jesus, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In other words, those who are born of God are children of God. Can we go to that scripture in verse 12 again? Look at this. But as many as what? Okay, now can we get that side of the room too now? As many as what? Received him. To them. Who's the them? The ones who received him. He gave the right to what? Become children of God. Well, we're all children of God. No, no. And here's where it gets sticky, so don't throw anything at me. Listen, according to the scripture, okay, we're all creatures of God, but you become a child of God. You were not born a child of God. You become a child of God because you make the choice to receive him. Are you listening? If you're going to be scripturally accurate, let's be scripturally accurate, okay? We all have been created by God. Every person that ended up in hell was created by God. But they rejected the opportunity to become what? Children of God. You got this clean? You got it clear? All right, because you can't, it's got to be this. Don't add anything to it. All right? Many people who believe in spirituality believe that every religion is pretty much the same God. No, that's impossible. It cannot be true. Can't be true. There's only one God, the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, people say, well, you know, well, the three major religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all the same, pretty much all worship the same God. Absolutely not. Two out of three, yeah. And, and uh, please don't get offended, but it's, again, it's my responsibility to tell the truth. The God of Islam is not the God of the Bible. The God of Islam is not the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the major tenet of the Islamic faith is that God has no son. You listening to me? Now, I just found this out recently. I didn't know this. But if we took a class trip and went to Jerusalem and went to the Dome of the Rock and that big golden dome that's on, on, 
on Mount, on Mount Moriah, okay, if we went there, and we look on the inside of that dome, it's all Arabic scripture. And it says, God has no son. The Trinity is a major, major cornerstone of the Christian faith. So how can a religion that says they have, that God, their God has no son be the same God as a Christian God? Be the same God as Judaism? It's impossible. Are you listening to me? Yes. Now, you, you might go out here saying, wow, he's harsh. He really put down. I'm not putting down people. I'm putting down a philosophy. Okay, we respect people. We respect everyone. We have to respect everyone. How are you going to get a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart if you don't respect them? But if you love them, you don't let them keep entertaining lies. So don't fall for this garbage, and I'll tell you why. Because there's even some major Christian churches that are trying to say that the God of Islam is the same God of the Old Testament, God of Judaism and Christianity. That is absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. Now, I will venture to say that probably a good majority of people that have been raised up in Islam really don't know what they believe. Just like the majority of people that say they come out of a Christian home really don't know what they believe. But you cannot say that all of these paths are going to lead to God. You cannot say that all these religions, always, you know, they lead to God. No, they do not. If they did, then Jesus is a liar. Let's go to John chapter 14. You with me? You learning anything today? Yes. Just a few of you, okay. John 14, 3, Jesus speaking. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, to where I am you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, you want to say this to me nice and loud like we really believe it? One, two, three. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you're either going to have to receive that as truth, or you've got to throw the whole gospel away. Because if he lied about this, then he lied about everything else. Yes or no? Now, I say, why are you making such a big deal? Why? Because the majority of people don't know this truth. The majority of people in our society think that Jesus is just another good guy, another good teacher, another good man, good moral teacher, really set a good example, but they don't believe that he's God. He's God. I'll throw another evidence out at you. Jesus has all the attributes of God the Father. But let me throw something at you that maybe you've seen it before, maybe you haven't considered it yet. Do you know that throughout all the scriptures, Jesus is the only one that receives worship and accepts it? Now, if he wasn't God, and if he didn't believe himself to be God, then he deserved to be executed. Because that's blasphemy to a Jew. For a Jew to equate themselves with God and not be God, is blasphemy. Yet, every person that came to him that needed to receive something, the leper that got healed came back and worshiped him. He didn't, you'll never see Jesus say, get up, don't worship me, I'm just a man. He received worship. Are you listening to me? Canaanite woman comes, she wants her daughter delivered. What does she do? She worships him. He doesn't say, hey, stop that. Now, Peter 
at one point in time because of a miracle he did. People tried to worship him. Paul, they tried to worship him when he, he raised a young man from the dead. And they said, oh, this is one of the gods. And he told them, stop it. I'm a man just like you. Even angels refuse to receive worship. But Jesus Christ never refused worship, never rebuked somebody, never corrected them and said, don't worship me. What does that mean? He's God. He's God. Now look at this. One of my favorite portions of scripture, I'm going to skip around here because the time's going by, is in John chapter 8. I love John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Okay. Um, Jesus is in the middle of a really heavy discussion with the religious leaders. And they're trying to trap him. They're trying to trick him. They're accusing him of doing miracles from the power of the devil. They're, they're accusing him of all kinds of false things. And Jesus responds to them in verse 56. Look at this now. I wish you'd go read the whole chapter today. All right, because it's really cool. Jesus responds to them. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Verse 57. Then the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old yet. How... Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, I love this. When we get to heaven, I'm going to say to Jesus, do you have this on, on like rerun? Can we watch this part again? I want to see this. Like, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And it says, and they took up stones to kill him. Why? They knew that he believed what he said. If they, would, if they thought this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, they wouldn't have taken stones to try to kill him. What do you think they thought of when he said, before Abraham was, I am? What did they think of? What incident in the Bible did they go right back to? The burning bush. They're like, wait, we've heard this someplace before. And they knew that he was equating himself with God Almighty who spoke to Moses. You getting this? He's God. Your family members, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors that don't know him yet, you need to be prepared to give this answer. What child is this? Who is this guy? What is he all about? How does he affect my life? So the question, what child is this? He's almighty God. He's the eternal God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is love. He's the one who died for our sins. He's the one who resurrected from the dead. He's the one who comes into your life when you're born again. And he's the one that your own unsaved loved ones need to hear about. Can I ask you this question? Don't raise your hand. Don't flinch. Don't grunt. Don't do anything. Is it possible that you've forgotten who he is? Is it possible that he's gotten lost in the busyness of your life, especially as we prepare for the holidays? Is it possible that he's gotten crowded out with all the other messages that are bombarding us, messages of fear, messages of materialism and greediness and selfishness? Is it possible? I want to bring it to Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Do not forget any of his benefits. Don't forget what he's done. Who pardons all your guilt, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things 
so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Um, a week or so ago, well, a couple of weeks ago, Margie Florent was here on Wednesday nights. Maybe some of you were here when she was ministering. Well, a few days before Thanksgiving, she posted something on her Facebook page. And I thought it was very appropriate. I wanted to share it with you as we close this message today. This is what she wrote. Let's be honest, 2020, 2021 has been wild, and it's capital letters. A pandemic, political chaos, and so much strife and division. So many believers have lost sight of who God is and what God is doing. This holiday season, let's take time to refocus, to reset, turn our hearts to our first love, Jesus, and listen to the still, small voice that leads us and guides us into all truth. Take time to slow down. Enjoy your families. Enjoy the little things again and find God in the secret place. I want to focus on that for a moment before we close. A secret place indicates that you're the only one that knows where it is. If more than you knows where it is or know where it is, it's not secret anymore. Please, if you haven't up until this point, develop a lifestyle of taking some time, even if it's five or 10 minutes in the day or before you go to bed or when you first wake up early in the morning and get to a secret place with him. Get to a place where you can be alone, where, you, where you're not distracted by other things and just spend time with him. I don't know what to say. Just sit there. I've had, I've had more communication with God when I have just sat in a place and say, so I can think of one time especially, Father, I didn't come here to ask you anything. I just come here to spend time with you. Do you need to speak to me about anything? Are you listening to me? The secret place. Many of you know that I used to be in the restaurant business many years ago. Seems like a lifetime ago now. One of the things, the habit that I developed, and honestly, nobody really knew about it until I got in the ministry and talked about it, is I would go to my place of business at six o'clock in the morning. We didn't open until nine o'clock. But I would get there at six o'clock in the morning and I would go to my little table in the dining room that we had there in the restaurant where I would do my menus and do my bills and all the kinds, of, and I would clear that away and I would go into the cafe area that we had and I would make myself a cup of coffee and then I would make another cup of coffee. And I would put my cup of coffee in front of me and across the table I would put another cup of coffee. And I'd say, Jesus, I'm here to spend time with you. Whether I read the Bible, whether I prayed, whether I just sat there, those were some of the most, you may think I'm crazy. I might have thought I was crazy. If somebody would have walked in, they're like, Joe's lost it. It's time to get out of the business. But let me tell you something. Some of the most rewarding times that I've had in communicating with the Holy Spirit came during those times. What was I doing? I was practicing his presence. Every one of us, if you're a child of God, if you're born again, or if you're on your way there, start to practice his presence. When you're driving in the car, talk to him. People that pass by are going to think you just have your Bluetooth 
they won't know the difference. They won't. Years ago, when we didn't have any of that stuff, people thought you were crazy. Look at that guy. He's talking to himself. I was talking to God, commuting back and forth to work, talking to God. Practice his presence. Why? Because it's in that presence that you receive what you need for that day. That's when you get your daily bread. And when you spend time in his presence like that, now you're equipped to answer that question, what child is this? Are you listening? That's when you'll get what you need. That's when he'll let you know on the inside, hey, later on today, you're going to meet somebody that needs to know me. Are you listening to me? Please, don't let this be another wasted holiday. Don't let this be another Christmas that just comes and goes without any fruit, without any results. Make yourself available to God so that he can use you to make someone else's Christmas the greatest one that they've ever had, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.